Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Sam Acho, author of Let the World See You. And if you want to learn how to connect with world-class people, you got to go listen to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am chatting with Sam Acho. Sam is NFL player, writer, public speaker, and humanitarian, a linebacker for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He speaks widely at colleges, events, conferences and churches and also co-host of the podcast relevant is doing a sports podcast the founder and president of athletes for justice he is a vice president of the nfl players association and graduate of the university of texas and the thunderbird school of global management and sam also recently wrote a book called let the world see you which is something that we're going to be talking quite a bit about here on the show today i can't wait to get into some of those things but first really quickly if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know the impact that a podcast could have on your business, but you just don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure it all out, then let me and my team do that for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application. And then after the application, we'll jump on a phone call to see if uh, we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you. So you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients and uh, talking to your customers. And then we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Sam, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, man. Thanks for having me, Travis. I'm glad to be here. Yes, sir. So let's go ahead and build a little bit of context for those listening. Anytime anybody has become a professional at anything, it always blows my mind because it represents such 
a different level of commitment and hard work to a certain craft. But especially when it is something like the NFL or the NBA or MLB or something because of how highly competitive those sports are and how difficult it is to become the top 1% of those people. And you've obviously done that, Sam. So I want to try to dig in a little bit here and figure out a little bit in the, of your backstory, build some context. And let's chat about, you know, 11, 12-year-old Sam. What, what were you up to back then? Family life, uh, you know, culture, how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? All that good stuff. Yeah, 11 and 12-year-old Sam. Oh, I miss those days. Uh, <laughs> that was a shy, awkward, going through growth spurts, puberty, pimples. Like that was that guy. Awkward but stage. Also guy who was, yeah, right, exactly, exactly. But also a guy who was really just discovering more of who he was the year before I first started playing football, right? I didn't play football until I was right around 12 or so. And the first year I played, I hated it. I'm from Dallas, Texas. So people know in Texas football is king. Well, my parents are from Nigeria, so they didn't even know what football was. Mm. Uh, when they heard football, they think soccer. Soccer, sure. And so at a young age, we got into sports, soccer, basketball, baseball, the whole deal. And that 12-year-old Sam fell into football. Fell into football. Without a doubt. I mean, my first year, I, it was miserable. I hated it. I was playing a position called offensive line, which your job, if anybody knows sports, your job is to protect the quarterback. The only time you get your name called is if you make a mistake. So if you're holding on, you know, number 75 on the offense or a legal chop block, that's the only time. If you could do your job every single play for the entire game and no one would ever know you existed. And I hated that. I wanted to create it and I wasn't. And so that year and that Sam hated, wanted to quit. I'm glad I didn't. I was going to say, do you remember why you didn't? Uh, I think just kind of the way we grew up, right? My parents were immigrants. So they, you know, it's a lot of it's, it's you start something, you finish it. It's hard work. It's, yeah. there's no really going halfway. If you're going to do something, be great at it. And specifically when it came to academics, that was a big thing. If you're going to do something, be great at it. And, and with sports, you said, we'll try it. So I remember with basketball, really loved playing that as a young kid and soccer. But even with, you know, we tried baseball and I was horrible. It was bad. And so I played for a year and stopped, right? And so <laughs> I think just this deal of seeing my brother, my brother, he played in the NFL as well. And he, he, he's, as a successful career and in his field now, but seeing him stick with it, he's my younger brother. He stuck with this. So I said, I'll stick with it too. Interesting. Okay. So when did you start playing a position you actually enjoyed then? Well, it was the next year. So okay. the next year when I was about okay. 13 or 14, I switched over to defense. And so right. uh, like, that, I'll, I'll and play that, again, but not an offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So it was the very next year and I got better and better. And really it's one of those things where I just, I use the term fell into football. I'm going on my 10th year in the NFL, right? The top 1%, but it wasn't like I had this dream my whole life. It was just, I was just doing it. I was doing it because it was fun. And I was with my friends and I was doing that and also doing other sports and doing school, just living life. And then, you know, God opened up a door to go play in college and obviously the NFL, but it wasn't like this calculated plan from a young age to go to the NFL be this superstar. Sure. So it just kind of fell into it. It was something you really enjoyed and something that you put a lot of work into, obviously, to be able to play at that level. And now you get to play with the GOAT. Yes, yes, Tom Brady. And so, and so it's funny, I'm actually so I'm actually a free agent now. I played with Tampa Bay last year, and it's funny, Tom Brady just signed this like within the last few months. Yeah. And his first thing that he asked for, he said, I want the number to all of my teammates so I can call them. And so my friends were like, dude, has Tom Brady called you? I was like, dude, I, as soon as I left, he came in. So I'm hoping to sign back there so I can get a call or a text from the yeah. greatest of all time, Tom Brady. The greatest of all time, yeah. I'm glad we can agree on that. In the football world, it seems like that's like the... Pretty much undisputed at this point, would you say? Yes, without a doubt. The only conflict people have is they ask, is it the coach or is it the player? Is it Bill Belichick sure. or is it Tom Brady? They've been together for 20 years and won almost you know, seven, seven rings, seven championships, six or seven. And so that's a big question people are going to see this year. Who is bringing the success? Is it the player on the field or is it the coach off the field who's building the team? That's that's. That's what we're going to see. That's one thing that I've always wanted to see too, man, because that's one thing that I've always respected about Tom Brady. I'm a Cowboys fan personally. So 
But secondarily, I always root for I Tom Brady. I feel bad for you because I'm from Dallas and they it haven't hurts. been good since I was a little kid. Since it hurts, I was, man. Since I was two. That was the last <laughs> time they were good. And I'm from, I grew up in Dallas. So I know from, from family, I got a family full of Cowboys fans. You know why it hurts so bad is because it doesn't make any sense. Because on paper, it seems like we're so good every year. And that's what kills me as a Cowboys fan. But anyway. Not believing the lie, Travis. Not believing the lie. I could cry about that all episodes. So let's move on here. But that's one thing I always respected about Tom Brady is it seemed like you could take all of the Pro Bowl receivers off of his team and put a brand new rookie in there. And he would still be completing passes all season long, throwing the most touchdowns and still winning Super Bowls. So it will be interesting to see this year how he plays into the the new you know offense in Tampa. Let's get a little bit back into your story, Sam. Talk to me about when you realized there was a shot for you. There's got to be a moment or at least maybe a period of time where you started realizing like, oh, football is what I enjoy doing and, and I like playing in high school and things like that. But was there a point where you realized like I could actually make a career out of this? Yeah, there was. And specifically, I actually talk about this in my book, this idea of mentors, the importance, the relevance and the need for mentors. I was in my sophomore year of college and I, even the way I got to go play in college was uh, once again, I got to open up a door. I was playing and didn't know if I was, thought I was good, but I went to a small school and we didn't play really that great of opponents. And so I went to a football camp. This is before that sophomore year. I went to a football camp in high school with my brother. It was at the University of Southern California. And at that time, USC was a powerhouse. And I got a scholarship to not only USC, but all University of Texas. I did not think I was going to go to the NFL. It wasn't until I met a mentor, a friend of my dad's, who was a team doctor for the, not the Redskins anymore. Now it's the Washington football team is what they named it. And we had a conversation. He said, Sam, you have everything that it takes to go play at the next level. He said, you're just missing one thing. He said, he said you're just as big, fast, strong, smarter than all the guys who I see on a regular basis. The only thing you're missing is that you don't believe in yourself. That's what he said. And it didn't make a lot of sense because I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like if I'm just as big and fast and strong, why, why, what, belief can't be that big of a deal. He said it is. He said, all the guys who I see, these pro athletes, the top 1%, each and every one of them knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were going to make it. Whether it was at a young age or if they got older, they knew. And once they had that decision made in their head, their actions followed. So he talked, he gave examples of guys who have their own personal water bottles, right? Because they don't want anything tainted or any Gatorade, not too, too much sugar. They knew they were going to make it. So their actions followed. And so after that conversation, you talk about this moment, after that conversation, for me, everything changed. Mm-hmm. So no longer was I going out with the guys, I was going to train and lift on my own. No longer was I, after practice, going and getting some rest, I was going to get an extra lift in. Mm-hmm. And so my actions changed, but it started with that belief. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that, man. And that's something that we talk a lot about here on the show is mindset and how much that plays into your success. And I have to think at a level that's that high, right? You're playing the highest level of sports. I have to think that that really becomes the thing that separates the people who make it and the people who don't make it. Because at that level, everybody's good. Everybody's talented. Everybody's big. Everybody's strong. Everybody's fast. Like everybody has that level of athleticism. But it seems like the people who do make it long term and become the Tom Brady's of the world are the people who have trained their mind to believe first and then followed through with those actions. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I'd, uh, I'm giving away some secrets, right? But in chapter one, I talk about this relationship I have with a guy named Larry Fitzgerald, who if anybody watches football, you know Larry Fitzgerald's going to his 16th year in the NFL. He's a, a future Hall of Famer, one of the best, if not the best wide receiver to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. And he was my teammate. And I got a chance to spend time with him. And I asked him this question because it seemed like he just... I mean, this dude would make amazing one-handed acrobatic catches in games, but he did even more in practice. 
Like the same catches you'd see this guy make in games, he did even better catches and stuff like that in practice. And so I asked him one day, I said, what is it about you that separates you from the rest? And what he told me was astounding. He said, Sam, this game is, it's 80 to 90% mental. He said it might be 10% physical, maybe 15, but the rest is mental. I believe I'm going to make the play. I know I'm going to make the play. I said, one person trying to stop me from catching the ball, they're not going to stop me. They need, even if two guys are trying to stop me, I'm still going to make the play. They need to put three or four guys on me in order to stop me. That's how much I believe. And that's what makes me different. So I think about the people who are listening to this podcast. Obviously, you, you're probably already really excel in your field, but what differentiates you and me and anybody else is that belief, that talk about a growth mindset, but that idea that, no, I can do it. It's almost like this internal locus of control. If I do X, the Y output will follow. And that's, that's what I've seen. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Have you seen a lot of guys who you maybe thought, man, this guy is going to go somewhere with this. Like he's so talented, so good, so fast, whatever that, you know, superlative would be, but they just didn't nail down the mindset piece. And maybe now they're completely out of the league and doing some other things and, and things like that. Have you, have you seen that a good amount now being in the league over a decade? Yeah, yes and no. I've seen a little bit of that. There are guys who you thought they would have thrived in the NFL and for whatever reason, they fizzled out. And some of that is that mindset piece. Some of that is the idea that, man, it's been easy for me my whole career. And high school was easy and middle school was easy. Ever since I've started doing whatever it is that I'm doing, I've been the best. So I never had to work. 
when all of a sudden you're in a group with everyone else who's the best and you, you're not used to that different level of work. So there is a piece of that. But there's also a different piece where some people are just built different, right? Like I look at that example I gave with Fitz. He was a first round pick. He was fifth overall. Like he already, yeah, his hands are are ginormous, right? So it's great for catching footballs, right? He's tall, he's big, he's fast, he's strong. So there is a piece, as you mentioned earlier, Travis, of like making it. Once you get there, right, in that top 1%, we're all big and fast and strong, those superlatives and talented, and maybe in the startup world, right? We all have, we're all brilliant and creative and problem solvers. But there is something that separates you and that differentiates you. And that is that belief, that knowing that, you know what, I am different, I am special. In order to be best, I need to actually cultivate my gifts. Yeah. And the, really the cool thing to me about that, man, is that it kind of levels the playing field a little bit, right? Because that's something anybody can do. Anybody can have the belief. Anybody can step in and cultivate that winning mindset and that I'm going to dominate mindset, regardless of the physical abilities that they've been you know, given from birth or whatever. So I, I think that that's a really cool perspective on it because I think it really levels the playing field for people that do want to excel, but maybe weren't given the same, you know, God-given abilities as maybe somebody else in whatever field it is, in football or in business or, you know, wherever else. So um, I think it's a really great insight to bring out. I want to talk with you a little bit more about your book. We've mentioned a couple of times already. What was the reason that you decided to get into being an author? I know that's like, it's not an easy task to write a book. It's not just something that you just do willy-nilly, right? Like this is a, a big decision. And for somebody like you who is in the middle of your career, you don't see that a lot. A lot of times you see guys coming out of the league, then they're like, okay, let's start doing some speaking. Let's write a book. Let's you know do all these other things. But it seems like you have a um, more of a passion for the content that you're writing about or else you probably would be waiting the same as everybody else, right? So talk to me about the decision to write the book. Why was it so important for you to get it out right now? Yeah, well, I think the message and the title of the book is called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And I think that message of being seen, we talked about it at the beginning, right? This 11 or 12 year old kid, like I just wanted to be seen at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Where you do all these things to be seen, to be known and to be loved. And I think that, yes, we grow in size and in stature, but I think a lot of us on the inside, we haven't grown yet to that point of understanding that, oh, I am seen and I am known and I am loved and I do have gifts and abilities and talents that I have an opportunity to show off to the world. And that showing off to the world doesn't mean on a national stage in front of millions of people and thousands of fans screaming. No, it could just be with your neighbor, right? Some people have gifts of just being really kind or great listeners. Like some people need that. Right. So this, this idea, this book was written for anybody who needs to come out of their shell. People have felt like they've been hiding or confused about who they are, what talents or gifts they have. And it talks about just my story and the journey of the benefit that happens when you let the world see you. Because when you do that, people's lives will be changed. You may have no idea. That's what makes it so interesting, man, is that it's let the world see you, not let the world see the projection of other people's desires upon you, not let the world see like what your parents want you to do or what culture or society, who they want you to be like, let the world see you. Who are you? What are some ways that people can even get to know themselves? I found now being an adult, man, like it's so weird. As a kid, you think all adults have it together. You know what I mean? Like they're an adult. They know everything. You know what I mean? But then you become an adult and you realize like, wow, none of us know anything. And we're all just trying to fumble our way throughout life. So if somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, man, I would love to do that, but I'm still trying to figure out who I am. I'm trying to learn like, who am I? Do you have any resources or ideas for somebody that may be thinking that? Yeah, without a doubt. Well, first, buy the book, sammachobook.com, right? Go pre-order it. That's, but that's even step more, one, I, yes, for sure. And I say that, though, because I kind of outline this in the book, but it's, it's this idea of slowing down. Here's what I mean by that. We're in that social media age, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram. We're always going and presenting and consuming so much. 
it's almost like we don't even take any time to actually look at who we are because we're so busy looking at whatever who everyone else is and what they're doing. Yeah. So quick unplug from social media for a little bit, right? That's just one quick, easy thing that you can do in silence, right? Like some people pray or meditate, right? Just be still for just a little bit, right? That's what's one step. Yeah. Another step, and the way I refer to it is I call it touching doorknobs. Try new things. So you may be in the middle of your career like I was, right? In the middle of my NFL career. But as I'm doing it, I'm trying new things. And uh, my third year in the NFL, I, t- I broke my fibula, so I was out for the season. And most people, they just sit out and they just rehab and just kind of sit on the wayside. And I said, you know what? There's some interests and some passions that I think I have. I'm going to try it. And so for me, I-, I called up a local TV station. I said, hey, this is me. This is what I do. This is who I am. I think I'm really good on TV. Can I get a shot? And, and it wasn't really this whole, can I get a shot? I said, hey, here's what I'm going to be doing. I said, I'm going to be, I said, I'm, I'm in pain. Obviously, yeah, surgery, I'm suffering, but I don't want to waste my suffering. I'm going to suffer with the city. So I'll be going to different homeless shelters and schools for kids with autism. And let me know if you want to bring a camera. And they said, yes. And so that touch of that doorknob turned into a weekly show that I did on, on, on the news in Arizona. And then I actually got a chance to host the news because I was pretty good at it. And the next year I had a, my own show called The Sam Macho Show, right? That came from me touching a doorknob. I didn't know I was going to be good. I just knew I liked talking. I liked being on TV. And I knew I didn't want to, I liked being with people. I didn't want to be by myself. And so number one, slow down, or you can call it unplug, meditate, however you want to call it. Step two, touch doorknobs. And then step three, I would say, don't be afraid to try new things. So for example, right, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a blog or whatever, you have to take that first step and try it. And yes, you may fall flat on your face, but if you don't try and take that step, you'll never get to where you want to get to. And so it takes a little bit of courage, right? So those are probably the three steps I would say after, of course, buying the book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Step number one is buy the book for sure. I really like the step number two though, as well of taking some time to unplug and be by yourself. And I always ask people, you know, when they say, well, how do I get to know myself? It's like, okay, well, how do you get to know anybody else? You spend time with them, right? Like you want to get to know your wife better. You want to get to know your kid better. You want to get to know your aunt better. I don't know. You want to get to know people better. What do you do? You spend time with them. You build a relationship with them. And yet so many of us never spend time with ourselves because you think you always spend time with yourselves, but you're not because your focus is always being torn in so many different directions. Every time you sit down somewhere, this ding goes off and that notification and this buzz and these numbers that you have to clear on your home screen of your phone before you can get engaged in a conversation with somebody. If you really take an account for like how you've spent your time over the last month, you probably would be surprised how little amount of time that you spend by yourself, with yourself and only yourself. Not watching a show, not listening to a podcast, not scrolling on social media, spending time with yourself. And like what you were saying, Sam, maybe that's prayer, maybe that's meditation. Maybe that's just dreaming about the future, visioning what you want your life to look like, writing some things down, getting thoughts and goals and and dreams out onto paper, whatever that is, take some time, spend with yourself and get to know yourself a little bit more. Love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about relationships here, man. You've already mentioned a couple of times without me prompting at all that you've had a few mentors in your life. And it seems like that's been something that's really helped you through a lot of the big decisions that you've had to make. So this is the question that I've asked every single guest that's ever come on the show. This is like, we're on close, coming up on episode 460, 470 at this point. So I've I've asked every single guest this question, Sam. I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Yeah, I mean, this is for me, this is an obvious one. It's it's who you know, right? And it, I go to that phrase. People say nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And so you could know everything and have all the information, but if you don't have a relationship, there's no pathway for you to pass along that information in a way that someone's going to receive it. And so it's all about who you know, but let me put an asterisk by that because it's not about who you know so that it's not like, hey, let me, let me get to know these people so I can take or use or whatever right. something from them. It's no, 
I want to know you because why? You are worth getting to know. And that's what my mentor and uh, Adam mentor were actually, yeah, 70 years old. He's twice my age, over twice my age. He was 70 years old, my next door neighbor when I lived in Phoenix, when I just got drafted to the Arizona Cardinals. Been married for about 50 years. And so I just gotten married. I'm like, dude, give me, like, how do, how do you do it? I always sit in it, go to his house, just hang out and listen. And he actually had gotten cancer and it was getting worse and worse and worse and nothing was working. He actually went overseas to try treatment that wasn't allowed here. And even that didn't work. And so finally I saw a Facebook post of him ask from him asking for permission to leave. Mm. And I'm like, what the heck? My wife showed it to me. I said, what? So I called him because I was busy. He had messaged me before. I didn't respond. I was busy playing football, living life. So I called him. And when we talked, he was only at like 20 or 30% of his voice. You could tell the strength was gone. And so as we're talking, this is the point of like who you know versus what you know, right? So we're talking about. At that point, we had a relationship. So I said, hey, man, give me what you got. I need to know what you know and what you knew during this life. And he told me two things. This is what he told me, right? And he's a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. He said, Sam, number one, he said, there's two things you need to know about this life. He said, number one, get to know Jesus intimately, right? Man of faith. He says, there's nothing better on this in this world than getting to know Jesus, right? And he said that. I'm listening. like, man, okay, like, got it, writing it down. I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And he says, and the second thing I want you to know is that you are worth getting to know. But never forget that. You are worth getting to know. And those were the last words I would ever hear from him. He passed away a few days later. I actually had a flight to go see him. I left practice to go fly and see him. By the time I landed, I was too late, a few minutes too late. But the words that he said still resonate with me to this day. That's why I wrote the book, because he reminded me that I'm worth getting to know. So yes, it's about who you know, but it's not because of what they can do for you. It's because they are worth getting to know. And also you in turn and I in turn, me and I'm worth getting to know. And I think once we understand that, I think the world will open up in front of us. That is definitely one of the more powerful stories that we've heard on the show about the importance of the who there, man. I appreciate you sharing that in a multitude of different ways. There's there's so many applications for that particular story. Man, just for him to be able to distill his last couple of pieces of advice to you and have that be one of them. And then for that to be the thing that inspires you to go write the book, which is the only reason that me and you are even on this chat right now, the only reason that my audience gets to hear from you and the impact that you're going to have through all the podcast episodes, the touring that you're doing to get this book out and the people that read the book, all stemming from a relationship with a guy who told you a piece of advice before he left this earth and you capitalize on that in I just want to acknowledge you for that and say thank you for sharing that story. As we move into the final few minutes here that we have together, man, what would be like an overarching piece of advice that you would tell to somebody on how to attract mentors? It seems like in your life, you've been really blessed to have really good mentorship. And I don't think that that's an accident. I think people that get good mentorship learn how to attract good mentorship in their life. So I'm curious to hear if you have any tips for people to attract better, better mentors. Yeah, well, I'm still learning, right? I'm still trying to figure out what, you know, I'm still learning the process, but I will say this. I would say be selective, but don't be dismissive. And here's what I mean by that. When you get a chance, as you mentioned, to choose your mentor, it really is that. It's a choice. You get an opportunity to say, man, I would love for you or you or you to be my mentor. And it's not this awkward conversation of like, hey, be my mentor. I want to follow you. It's like, no, hey, I just respect you. Love to learn about what you do. Just have a conversation. Sometimes that's how it starts, right? Be selective, but also don't be dismissive. For me, this guy wasn't a mentor, but he was one of my best friends in college. His name was Mikey, right? And I went to the University of Texas and it's football and, you know, you're the king of the campus, and, but it didn't seem real. And so this guy I met at this, you know, it's 
uh, young, it was called a deal called Young Life. And we met, we didn't really talk too much, but he kind of pursued me, said, man, I would just love to be your friend. I want nothing from you. I want nothing from you. I just think you're awesome. I'd love to hang out. And I don't know if he viewed me as a mentor, but I viewed him as a friend. And so I didn't just dismiss him and say, no, no, leave me alone. I said, hey, uh, let's talk, right? Let's grab lunch, let's grab coffee, whatever. And we did. And Mikey and I still keep in touch to this day. That was 15 years ago. You get a chance to be selective. And yes, this person you want to mentor, you may say no, or they may say, let's just have a conversation and they just say, wait, but also don't be dismissive of the people who are looking to you and saying, hey, I'd love to learn from you because it's a two way street. It's not just about who's your mentor, it's about who are you mentoring? You need mentees as well. It's almost like this conduit that flows up and down. It's not, it doesn't just go one way. Fantastic advice, man. Fantastic advice and a great way to start ending the show here. Um, I do want to move on to something I like to call the random round. It's just the last segment, few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say a lot of people say your profession. So um, (laughs) I was curious to hear what your answer was. So so basically same thing, but different sport. (laughs) Yes, yes. If I had a couple more inches, I'd be a lot happier about the opportunity, but I'll say basketball. (laughs) Got it. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present, chat for an hour, who would it be? Abe Lincoln. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I like videos. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up, pray with the family. I got a wife, got three kids. We'll wake up, we'll sing, we'll pray, we'll read the Bible a little bit. I'll drop my kids off at school, drop my wife off at the gym, go get my workout in, come back, tell people about my book, pick up the kids, and usually just play with them for the rest. Well, that's not my whole day routine, right? Play with them the rest of the day. What is your go-to pump-up song? A song called You Can't Stop Me by Andy Mineo. What is something that you are just not very good at, Sam? Baseball. And and oh. like short and like short sentences. <laughs> <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is the best place for our listeners to go connect with you online? Please just go to samachobook.com. You'll find out everything about me, everything about the book. You'll get a free chapter before everyone else gets it. Samachobook.com. I think you're gonna love it. Samachobook.com. Acho is A-C-H-O, samachobook.com. Please, please, please go pick up a copy of Sam's book. Let the world see you. I promise you that you will not regret consuming any of the content that Sam is putting out there. So that is samachobook.com. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Seriously, this was a fantastic conversation. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Travis. I appreciate you. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. See you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.